It's Monday morning. I'm standing outside beside my bike. I pull out my phone and press Google Maps. Setting the home and work in Google Maps is just about the most official thing you can do nowadays. It becomes the default for how you move in the world. In the past year, I've changed my home so many times. India, Maine, a bunch of Brooklyn sublets, and many couches. And towards the end, I just stopped resetting it. At the end of last episode, I didn't have a home. But guess what? I found roommates and found an apartment. I live in the smallest room and my closet's in the kitchen, but it's all good because I don't have much stuff and I get to pay the least in rent. Last night was my first night in the apartment. It's comforting, but strange to know I could live there for a whole entire year. I get on my bike and start pedaling towards Manhattan. Head north on Classen Avenue. Also at the end of last episode, I didn't know if I was actually going to get this internship at Betaworks. James, the creative director there, the one that emailed me about the internship, got the green light on the project. And turns out this isn't just a paid internship. It's paying better than any job I've ever had. Granted, that's compared to my salary in Thailand, which came in an envelope packed with Thai bot, and to my AmeriCorps stipend, and to my work in India where I wasn't paid at all. Oh, and I also have health benefits. Grandpa was happy to hear about that. Okay, so I got the job that I was telling you about. Good. Um, I get health benefits, and it's 100% paid for, and they're really good. Oh. Yep. Um, and I have a 401k retirement plan wow they also just have crazy perks like one of their perks is um they'll like pay for five hundred dollars of airline travel like just for vacation (laughs) okay (laughs) isn't that crazy turn left on flushing avenue but i haven't set my work in google maps yet it still doesn't feel quite real and i'm afraid i might jinx it this company produces tech products not podcasts And I've never made a podcast before either. I keep thinking about this one line in the contract. The company has the right to terminate your employment at any time and for any reason, with or without cause or notice. Gotta get all my doctor's appointments in while I can. I hit the Manhattan Bridge and shift gears for the climb. My legs start to burn and my back hurts. Last night at 2 a.m. I woke up to a deflated air mattress. It was supposed to hold me over until I got my first paycheck, but it looks like I'm going to need to buy one sooner than that. I'm getting to the top of the bridge, and the B train rumbles behind me. I pick up speed on the downhill, and now I'm neck and neck with the train. The train slows before it returns to the dark underground, and I fly by. Speed can be a good remedy for nerves. Now I'm just excited. I'm Alison Berenger, and you're listening to The Intern. When I get to the office, I don't know where I'm supposed to sit, so I go into the kitchen to put my salad in the fridge, which is also stocked with beer that's free. There's iced coffee on tap, kashi, kind bars, chocolate-covered acai berries, and jars and jars of almond butter. My mind flashes back to the teacher's lounge where I used to work. Picture this. Two small tables filled with bodega coffee cups, a coffee machine that breaks at least once a week, the fridge stuffed with packed lunches. And I'm struck by two thoughts. One, where the hell is all this money coming from? And two, how do I make sure I keep my job here? James shows me to an empty desk. All the other desks around me have giant Mac desktop computers. The backs are covered with stickers of the different companies at Betaworks. I recognize some of them and ask James about the ones I don't. Oh, they got shut down, he says. No explanation as to why. The more I think about it, the more I realize. 
this internship really isn't an internship. I'm just another experiment in a sea of startups. And this episode you're listening to, test tube number two. And if this experiment fails, if I fail, I'm out of a job. So how do I stop from just being another once loved sticker? This is the new employee's welcome lunch. It's catered, so I guess I'll eat my salad tomorrow. So I'm Lauren, I oversee HR and office operations here. Um, and I am your go-to for anything you could possibly ever need at Baytoworks, so that's the deal. Next. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, I'm Allison, and I'm working on a podcast, hence the recording device in the middle of the table. We go around like that, everyone with their name and what they're doing. Developers, product managers, an investment associate. Um, so I'm Mike, uh, co-founded Anchor with Near. We built an app um, that lets you broadcast short voice recordings. All right, here's some guys doing something related to me. They also sit nearby, so I feel like I'll get to know them well. When I look around, it seems like everyone knows exactly what they should be doing. It's pretty cool how much creative freedom I've been given, but it's a little overwhelming. You know, like, I want to work hard, but I'm not quite sure how to work hard. I do a lot of hanging out in the kitchen this first week. I feel like it's part of my job with the podcast to get to know the people who work here. I'm trying to just be my best friendly self right now. And it's not like I have meetings to go to or emails to respond to. Joe's one of the first guys I meet. So do you, do you like work? Where do you work right now? Um, hopefully here. Turns out that Joe started here as an intern too and now works for Dig, this curated news website. He's also had a circuitous route into tech. He was an archaeology major, and so we commiserate over that feeling of wondering if we belong and how to become valuable. I don't know. It's just, it's just good, in my opinion, to be social. And if you can make other people happy just by your presence, I think that's, that's huge. I love getting to know new people. So if that's the way to keep my job here, then I feel like I'm on the right track. We start talking about the fun stuff he likes to do in New York. I've kind of gotten in this habit of going dancing on Mondays, actually. Wait, this sounds so fun. Yeah, it's... Are you going to go this coming uh, Monday? I might go Monday. If you're interested in coming, I okay. I like to go by myself because I just really like dancing. Yeah. Don't worry. He eventually extended the invite. Okay, so now back to my other big question. I still just can't wrap my head around why there's so much money flowing in the tech industry. For example, there's this company called Giphy. It's a search engine for GIFs, and it was started at Betaworks in 2013. But it doesn't seem like they're making any money, and I don't really see how they will earn money in the future. So what's paying all those salaries right now? And who's paying mine? It's the same thing I wondered about Instagram before they started putting in all those annoying ads. And even now, I'm definitely not clicking on those things. So exactly what is financing these giant tech experiments? My name is Josh Auerbach. I'm a partner and the chief financial officer at Betaworks. Like, are any companies in Betaworks right now in the, in the house making a profit? I will say, without identifying which one, that at least one of the companies in the studio is profitable. Most of them are not profitable. Okay, so I'm not crazy. And I totally get that some of these companies will take off and bring in huge returns on the investments. But where is Betaworks getting their money from to begin with? We are a startup. And so we have raised money, like most tech startups do, from venture capital firms and from other investors. 
My conversation with Josh cleared things up a bit, but I still don't fully understand the bigger picture. Why is it that all of a sudden there's so much money to go around? Josh mentioned that startups get money from venture capital or VC funds, but where do those firms get their money from? And to get this bigger picture, I wanted to talk to someone outside the company. My partner and I run a very small venture capital firm based in Brooklyn, and we invest in very early stage internet startups. This is Nick, co-founder and partner at the VC firm Notation Capital. And I put the question to him, where is all this money in the tech industry coming from? Interest rates are basically as low as they've ever been in the history of the world. Interest rates are 0%. And so no one's earning money by putting it in the bank. And no one's earning money by investing in bonds. It's not immediately clear to me how this relates to my question. But he explains that when interest rates dropped during the recession, wealthy individuals and large funds, like, say, a teacher's pension fund, had to find other industries that could grow their wealth. The other thing is that what's happened is that VCs over the last five, seven years, because um, because the market's done so well and because so many very, very, very large, valuable private companies, tech companies have been built in the last number of years. Translation, Facebook happened, Twitter happened, Snapchat is happening. So at the same time that people and institutions were looking for new places to grow wealth, the tech industry emerged as the place to grow a lot of wealth and very quickly. More traditional funds, like your parents' mutual fund, that wouldn't have considered doing VC because of its riskiness are now doing it. And the ones that already were are putting in more money. And who do these funds give their money to? To VCs, who then invest in the startups. And now there's all this money in venture capital. There's this one firm that went from $8 million just three years ago to $500 million today. The amount of money that founders often raise is driven by a VC and typically how large their fund size is, rather than the amount of money that they actually need. Nick's argument is that it's actually better to keep these nascent companies lean and just give founders enough money to sustain themselves and their businesses. That's because when a VC invests in a startup, they get some percentage of that company in exchange. A smaller seed investment equals founders owning more of their company. At the same time... The money is very hard to say no to. And so what you're seeing now is, I I think, a lot of startups that are overcapitalized. Which then explains all the excess money in the tech industry. Okay, so now back to the beginning. What's the origin of this long chain of capital? Turns out most founders don't really know. Most VCs don't publicize where their money's coming from. Part of the philosophy of Nick's firm is to share who's given them money and to make the process more transparent. On the one hand, it might just be terribly boring and no one cares. Like, no one cares that the money is coming from Stanford or, like, the California Teachers Pension Fund or... Uh, a foundation or a company like it's not super 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 interesting which is why i think most people haven't cared historically i think it's interesting now but but what i would add is that those are the innocuous institutions there is money that comes from all sorts of places globally that my sense is founders would want to know about more people would care if ultimately they had full transparency into where the money's coming from. I'd say like 99% of it is innocuous, but I think it would be interesting to understand where a lot of the money specifically at the very, very big firms comes from. What places that the money's coming from would make people feel uncomfortable? I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) What would make you feel uncomfortable? If you were a founder of a startup and 
you were raising capital from this super well-respected VC, would you care where the, where their capital comes from? I, I would. You would. Yeah. So I think I think some founders would. Um, and which which sources would you feel uncomfortable with? Nick's not going to postulate for me, but he's shown me the dots and handed me the pencil. So I'll draw up an image myself. Women's rights and gender equality are close to my heart. For over two years, I've worked on getting a women's health nonprofit up and running in India. I imagine the Saudi government, a country where women can't go to the doctor without a male guardian and can't drive, pumping their oil wealth into U.S. venture funds and growing richer and richer. I think about my paycheck, the money I'm going to use to buy a mattress this weekend. Betaworks is a VC-backed company. Is it okay that I don't know the origin of the money? Thinking about all this takes me back to my question from that last episode. Like, what am I doing here? I think about my friend Katie, who's just begun her two and a half years in the Peace Corps in Ethiopia. Does this work that I'm doing align with what I care about? So back before I was officially hired, I met Margot. I remember her asking me to go out and eat our packed lunches on the steps of the Whitney Museum. She listened as I told her about the breakup and my couch surfing, and it was one of those instant bonding moments. She's been in the tech world for a few years now, and so I try to get her sense of things. What you see at Betaworks is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, we, we don't have that much money in comparison to other places. You should, you should walk down the street and walk into Google's office. You'll see a lot more money and a lot more privilege there. Margo used to work for Google, and now she does marketing for Poncho. It's a personalized weather service I mean, that sends you the forecast with a funny gif every morning. I do think you're in a place, though, where like this is the first time that you're making money, and this is the first time that you're working in a place that has money. And it, I think that can be shocking. Do you feel like you haven't earned what you're doing? I feel like I kind of just lucked into this. Yeah. And the work that I've done feels important, and I've... And I've never, ever felt justly compensated for it. Yeah. So this is like the first time that I've ever felt like I'm being compensated fairly for my work. But yeah, I guess I feel like, I feel like I deserve what I'm getting, but I'm not sure. And it makes me feel weird. Yeah. That like my friends are doing kick-ass stuff, things that I used to do, and they're not getting free lunch. Mm -hmm. I think that's what, that's why I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You should feel uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Not because you're doing something wrong, but because we haven't found a system that, that values really important professions appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my question is like, am I being naive or rightly skeptical in, in the questions that I'm asking? I mean, both, right? On Friday, I bike home, one beer tipsy from happy hour with coworkers. I love my bike rides home. It's become my time to reflect, and my first week as an intern has given me a lot to think about. One thing I've noticed is how Betaworks is heavily male and virtually all white, and this money thing still really fascinates me. At the same time, I also can't stop thinking about how much I want to keep my job, because for all my moral conundrums and grappling, I really feel like I found a place where I want to stay. The people are awesome. I think sometimes it can be hard to find a group of people who are smart, curious, open-minded, but also unpretentious. There's a buzz and liveliness to this company that's really inspiring. There's optimism in the air. And tech's all about solving problems, right? I wonder if this is the place that I could learn to solve problems that are important to me. At the last minute, I changed my route 
and decide to take the Brooklyn Bridge. It means battling tourists and shouting, heads up, when they back into the bike lane with their selfie sticks. But the view is so worth it. He said it to you on a feet. Not really sure, you know, I struggle with this daily. But I do like where I am. I've gotten a few answers about how the tech industry and this startup work. At least enough to know that my role as a podcaster definitely doesn't fit in, and that nothing's for certain here. I need to prove myself, or I know there won't be any reason to keep me around. When I get home, my two roommates are there. They also started new jobs this month, so we compare notes. I feel content sitting here with who I'm sure will become my close friends. And so we drink our cheap wine, admire our exposed brick wall, and try to put together Avery's IKEA furniture. Did yeah, I? Yeah, Wait, yeah, is this yeah. okay? I know. I went to Ikea, which was terrible. I guess you like always hear people talking about Ikea with a, a sense of reverence. Like, lovely air conditioning and all of the employees were going to be uh, just who like... Who have you been talking to about Ikea? Everyone loves Ikea. Who have you met that likes Ikea? Well, clearly the wrong people. Because I went in there, and first off, it's like... <laughs> You know those machines that they put the cattle in before slaughter and they're all going in this one direction? <laughs> Basically what Ikea is, you can't, like, God forbid you have to turn around for something because I'm like throwing bows the whole time trying to like go back to find the things that I did not get the first time. You bring the best things out of me. You keep my worries far and my sanity at peace. So don't you ever, ever leave. Gonna have to get up early if I want to beat the Ikea herds and get a mattress. Tune in next time to get that story and hear about my struggles at work to catch up in the Twitter sphere. This episode was produced by me, Allison Berenger. Caitlin Prest was my editorial advisor. Shout out to Dom for the beautiful cover art. And thanks to Greg, who built the website. Check it out at theintern.fm. Finally, thanks to the music makers. This week you heard from Rebecca Applebaum, Johnny Cosmic, and my talented and generous roommate, Sarah Castile. And maybe that was it. Maybe there was so much commotion going on that I wasn't really paying attention. But she was like, yeah, I work at Swizzle Bay Works. But in my head, I was like, Bagel Works. That's cool. Are there bagels? And she talked about how great the snack situation was. And I was like, well, with a name like Bagel Works, one would expect it to be top notch. <laughs> Come to find out like several days later that no, 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 it's Beta Works, which makes so much more sense. I'm trying so hard not to laugh right now. I mean, I think the name's still worse. I feel like maybe that y'all should invest in a company called Bagel Works. Maybe I'll start the company.